Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. All right, welcome everybody to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen. So glad you are with us. Uh, th- we got a great episode today. Uh, today I am joined by Mr. Andy Deka. Andy, how you doing this morning? Doing really good. Yeah, excited to be here. Okay, so Andy, you you and your family, your lovely wife, uh, Alicia, just welcomed a new member to the family, correct? That's right. Yeah. 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 Our son, Elliot, who's three months old now. So his Gosh, sisters are, his older sisters are just adoring him. And you took on a um, second career for a couple of couple of weeks there while on paternity leave, filling in for your wife. Do you want to talk about that that brief career? Um, yeah. Addition there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was about a year ago exactly that you know once my wife and I found out that we were pregnant, um, you know, having Elliot on the way, and um, we decided that we were going to open a home daycare, and that's something that had been kind of on our mind for. A while and knowing that it wouldn't make sense for Alicia to be using the majority of her income in daycare for for three children and she had just really had on on her heart for a while that just wanted to be home with with our three kids so it just set things in motion for her to be able to do that yeah and so over the summer we started up the daycare and yeah and then once Elliot arrived uh, I was just on full-time dad duty except with extra kids three running the day running running the daycare daycare. yeah three extra uh kids so story time and uh um trying to get kids to eat their peas at lunch um it was fantastic (laughs) what was it what was your favorite part um i i love kids you know it was really fun the kids oh that's good that's it was fun just messing around outside with the kids and you know we had like little vehicles for them to ride on and so just like making up games uh to keep them busy it was it was really a lot of fun that's great it kind of sounds like what you do here at the archdiocese no not (laughs) not really we're we're glad to we're glad to have you back and we've been wanting to to jump into this topic we want to talk today all about prayer in the context of teams, mm-hmm. um, really excited, and I would say teams in the broadest sense. So, uh, if any of our listeners are part of a family, or if you came from a family, or if you—that's that's intentionally ridiculously broad—but or if you, let's say you, I mean, you work, you know, youth ministry, religious ed, uh, anything at a parish, or if there's just there's a, there's a couple of people who either in a men's group or a women's group, group of moms where. The Lord has gathered you together for some sort of common purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think what we're going to talk about today is really going to really going to apply. Um, now, Andy, you've written about this before, as so we talk about you know, mm-hmm. like the characteristics of team prayer. Maybe mm-hmm. to start us out, let's just before because we want to talk about how this manifests as teams go through the growth cycle. You know, as they as they grow from that kind of you know forming, storming, norming, performing. Mm-hmm. But before we get there, let's let's talk a little bit about like the characteristics of team prayer because you've written about this before. We've got mm-hmm. a blog on equip.archomaha.org. Uh, look for it. Uh, you can find um, Andy having written about this a little bit. But just kind of bring us up to speed on like what are some characteristics of this type of, it's really a communal prayer, which is nothing new to the church, but mm-hmm. particularly for those who are gathered around a common mission. Talk a little bit about those characteristics of team prayer. 
Yeah, so there are five characteristics that we want to go over today. And these have really come about, uh, you know, we've experienced these in our, right, in this our own is... team. So just kind of really reflecting on our own experience as part of a, a missional team. Right, the five characteristics as derived from Andy and Jim's personal experience in living or not living <laughs> effective prayer in a team context. Yeah, and, and really I think the first one is just to be deliberate. Right, just to be intentional about uh, about prayer, like making sure this is a stated value that that we recognize at the beginning as, as we're setting as we're gathering a team, as we're setting out um, on a mission together, um, of of deciding how and when we're going to pray together, right? And that can take just a lot of different forms, um, lots of different methods that you could use mm-hmm. to do that. But you know, being able to set aside time at the beginning of the meeting, you know, fifteen minutes, twenty minutes at the beginning of the meeting, to invite the Lord to speak. To, to acknowledge his presence and just to be there, um, be there with him at the beginning of the meeting. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, as I reflect on my experiences, I think about my my own little family. I think about teams that I've been a part of. For this characteristic, deliberate, for it to be actually effective, to for, for having to, for if it's going to become more than just kind of an ethereal value, I I think one of the keys to making this real is every member of the team needs to know how that value manifests itself. Meaning like, okay, we're done. We're done cleaning up for dinner. And now we sit down and we do a deck of the rosary. Or, oh, it's just, it's the start of the meeting. And so we're going to spend a good 20 to 30 minutes doing Lexio. And I think this is where, right, clear expectations mm-hmm. and, and schedules and routines begin to intersect with this desire for, for prayer. For, for no other reason than, God bless, like, right, our little children who sometimes are the most effective as sorts of accountability. You know, it's like, I'm like, oh, I don't know, I'm tired, we're running late. Maybe we don't need to do the rosary tonight. You know, and then somebody, you know, and then a toddler walks out with a rosary around their neck, like, Daddy, is it time to pray? It's like, uh, yeah. yes, it is. You know, and you're, you're, gra- you're grateful for the fact that everybody knows when and how we're going to manifest this value. Not that there can't be creativity, right. but... You know, if everybody knows, then it begins to become concrete pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. The shared culture can kind of begin to carry you. Yeah. Okay. So, what else? How do you characteristics of of this type of this type of uh, prayer and team life? Well, I I think um, yeah. If I could just share just a couple examples about just being deliberate and just ways that I've hmm. just ways that I've seen that with our team, the Office of Evangelization, having you know fifteen to twenty minutes where we're just praying Lexio usually um, at right. the beginning of our meetings. And, you know, just opening opening up the scriptures, um, usually just the daily readings. And we have, you know, assigned a different person for each month. Um, they're the one mm-hmm. that's going to be leading the team through prayer. Yeah, taking time in silence to listen uh, to the words and phrases that, that stick out, and then having a brief time to share with the team uh, the way that the Lord is uh, moving each one of our hearts. So I think that's one one way that we've seen that just be really fruitful just in our own life and, and ministry. Well, um, and I, I would add like that that deliberateness seems to, it gives us a, a peace because sometimes, I mean, yes, yeah, sometimes the temptation is a, it's a strong enough cultural expectation now that we don't, uh, you know, occasionally, very, very rarely, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of need to shorten it or abbreviate it. But the temptation to like, well, do we really need to pray? It's like, it just... It's just become part of the part of our expectation now, and mm-hmm. it really it changes the the content of our meetings because 
we, we know that we have the gift where we're going to be able to come in to an important conversation about like, okay, what is, what's next for us mm-hmm. to, to kind of move forward in this mission the Lord's given us. We know that we can, we're going to come to that with a little bit of peace and recollection with, you know, just kind of a renewed connection that like, okay, I'm a son or daughter of the Lord and I'm not trying to mm-hmm. perform to win God's affection. He loves me anyway. And I I'm, want to try and you know, perform my duties out of a sense of gratitude and response to that. And there's just a number of things that it makes the the rest of the meeting in this case that that follows it so much more fruitful. I think in ways. I mean, there's some ways mm-hmm. that I can identify, but probably a thousand ways that we can't we can't even recognize. We'll only see this. You know, really understand the value of it when we're when we're in heaven. Mm-hmm. And I think when we when we talk about being deliberate, we're not necessarily excluding spontaneity. Um, yeah. Where, you know, there's still room for spontaneous intercession um, to come up, you know, in the middle of the meeting. Because uh, that, that happens often where we're praying for particular pastors or parish mm-hmm. leaders that we're going to be having conversations with or holding trainings with. Or even just uh, for team members that are going through a difficult time. Yes. You know, those things come in to the meetings on occasion. And, and just being able to recognize, acknowledge how we're doing and, and turn those things over to the Lord. That's still a, you know, a way of being deliberate. Can I, Andy, I, want, I don't want to take us too too far afield on this, but we're, I mean, we're spending a fair amount of time talking about the deliberateness here, I think because it's an anecdote to this, this weird reality, um, and I've heard Patrick Lencioni talk about this, but sometimes by accident, like parish, uh, church, groups, teams, kind of nonprofit families, like we can sometimes like turn ourselves into insurance agencies mm. <laughs> where, where it's like we're we're it's like we're embarrassed to pray how it that mm. it's somehow unprofessional or that it's going to be unfruitful you know, like a waste of time or like no 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 we got mm. we got a job to do here so let's just get into it like can you talk a little bit like why why do we do that it seems again i love you know patrick lencioni is so good about humorously pointing out like the some of the idiosyncrasies about mm. serving in the church and 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 the nonprofit world. I think this is the anecdote to that, this deliberateness, but why do we get ourselves in that place to begin with? Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I think in some ways it's just easy to to hide. I guess that's that's what comes to mind is sometimes we hide from the Lord, we hide from uh, our team, we hide from ourselves. And it's it's really difficult to get in that, place of, of, of vulnerability and, and trust. Um, Meaning know, like we, we don't feel safe. <laughs> yeah. Prayer, if uh, authentic prayer is a, a form of vulnerability and mm-hmm. sometimes we don't feel safe to do that in front yeah. of mm-hmm. family members or other team members. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would maybe add, I think sometimes we're just, we're in a, we're in a rush. We're, we're in a hurry. And I've read, I think I've mentioned on the podcast before, fantastic book by John Mark Comer called uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And in it, he makes the case that like Jesus is scandalously never in a hurry. I mean, literally, you know, people's lives are hanging in the balance and Jesus is like, I think I'll hang out another day. Or it's like, wait, I'm in a great conversation right now. And, you know, Jesus is never in a hurry. That's a mark of the enemy and the devil. And I think the the, the whispering lie that, okay, we got to go faster, you're running behind. This is a tangent, but I think it's worth it. There was a study done by uh, a group of 
researchers on seminarians, not not Catholic seminarians as I as I know it, but seminarians who were um, hoping you know to enter into ordained uh, ministry, full time service of the church. And what they did is that they had this little experiment where they they asked them a whole series of questions about their their motivations. And there was this baseline, you know, like why are they why are you doing this? And they had this kind of altruism rating that came out of that. And then what they did is they ran an experiment. They, they, they grabbed them and say, okay, so what we want you to do is we want you to give a talk on, and they would insert various topics, on the story of the Good Samaritan or on church structure or on the future of the church, or blah, 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 all these different topics. And then they would say, oh, and you need to go give that talk over this, this side of campus, go to this, this building over here. And they, 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 they changed all sorts of different variables and had different topics and whatever. The one thing that made a difference, because they had staged a pretend homeless person right in the middle of the, uh, uh, the route they were supposed to go, some decided to stop and attend to the needs uh, of that person who appeared to be hurt. Some would just walk right by. Didn't matter whether they were go on their way to give a talk about the Good Samaritan who, if you don't know the story, stops and helps. Um, like, didn't matter what they were talking about. The only thing that made a difference, predictive as to whether or not they would stop or walk by, was if the instructor, when giving the instructions, would say, oh gosh, you're running late, you better hurry. Hmm. If they said that, they would walk right by. And I feel like that's exactly what, right, like, the devil and his minions do. They sit on our shoulder and they tell us, yeah. oh gosh, you're running behind. You better hurry. And we walk right by the grace of our life, right? We, we, we walk yeah. by people in need. We're short with each other. We're, we're impatient with ourselves. And I mean, back to the topic at hand, we're like, oh, I don't have time for prayer. Yeah. Let's let's see. We we got a, we got a long agenda here. We have so many tasks to do. So sometimes ridiculous. Right? We have more to do than is reasonably human. So forget this supernatural input. We're gonna go straight into the agenda. Yeah. And how tragic is that? That you know when we have this lack of trust in God's providence, right? He's the one. He's the only yeah. one that can really help us. Um, uh, and you know, he, there's only one being at our meetings that's all-knowing and all-good and all-powerful. And sometimes we don't give him the floor. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on, Jesus. We, just if you could ratify this at the end, that would be great. You're a non-voting member. <laughs> okay, so it really, it, being deliberate, clear expression of faith, what else? What are other kind of characteristics of, of team prayer? Yeah, I think the next one is, is just being communal, which is funny to say as we're talking about team prayer, but sometimes we can pray in ways that, you know, where we're maybe in the same room, together, but we're not really praying in a communal way. You know, Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he taught us to pray, our Father. You know, just as this witness to our unity in the family of God. And, you know, I, I don't know, it's funny, I've been part of teams before where we've been sent to the chapel to, to pray, kind of individually, and we're just in the same room, and, but we're kind of disconnected from each other, praying silently, um, and we're not really sharing our hearts with one another. We're not allowing others to um, to speak or um, or share insights that they're hearing from the Lord, it just seems like it it doesn't carry the same power of of being united in in prayer. Yeah. So this is so this is to be clear. This is not communal prayer. Is not just a recitation of a prayer in other people's hearing. Mm -hmm. It's not just right like a personal or individual prayer. 
in close proximity. It's an actual communing of, okay, th- these, are, these are our needs, these are our desires, and we're bringing them to the Lord in unison, even if one person is the only one talking out loud. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, right, it's back to Jesus's, like, right, where two or three are gathered, or if two or three of you agree on anything, that's kind of what we're talking about. Like, we're, we're mm-hmm. trying to, we're, we're, we're actually trying to pray with one heart and one mind, even if there is only one one voice speaking. Yeah, and I think one of my first experiences of, of this was when I was in college, I was in a non-denominational Bible study, and it was just a group of guys that were committed to growing and supporting each other, reading the scriptures together, and there was just a real vulnerability in that group. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea how to pray. I'd never, like no one had ever taught me how mm-hmm. um, to pray before. But I learned in this group you know, it, it was a this communal mm-hmm. experience. I learned how to pray in a deeper way because I had these others that were entering into it with me. And, you know, we would do something at the end of every Bible study where each person would just share an intention that's on their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would pray for the person on our left. And we just go around the circle and everyone would be praying for the intentions of the other. And it was just this beautiful experience of being supported, of knowing I'm not alone in this. We're, we have this, mm-hmm. this common mission, really, to, um, to grow in the Lord, and we're supporting each other in that. So to be able to bring that in different ways to the team is just really powerful. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> selfishly, I don't know if that's the right way to describe what I'm about to say, but communal prayer is especially valuable for me because it fills in my distraction. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I sometimes I don't, you know, I, I tend to pack my schedule too much. And so I'll come into a meeting and I'm not really recollected and all over the place. And when I'm praying in communion, it, it adds a power to my prayers that it fills in my distraction. It fills in my lack of faith. I mean, I think about James says, you know, like, you know, those who are approaching the Lord with their needs without faith, I mean, you know, like a wave tossed about, it's like, shouldn't really expect anything. So I feel really great when it's like, okay, but I, I mean, I'm not so confident in my prayers, but I think Andy's, <laughs> who has agreed to pray for my intentions uh, for these few minutes is adding a lot. You know, I mean, James also says the prayer of a righteous person. So it's like, this is like so deep in the Catholic instinct to gather mm-hmm. together. Let's get all of our righteous folks together and convince them just to pray for our intentions for a little bit, you know, to join our prayer, our faith together. And to really, yeah, bring those needs to the Lord. And I've seen again and again and again, like the Lord does something when we just pause. It doesn't have to be lengthy. Would we just pause and say, Lord, we we don't know what to do here. We need we need your insight or we, we're not bold or whatever, you know, whatever mm-hmm. the need is. And honestly express that need together is, gosh, it just, it just makes a difference. I don't know. I don't know what, mm-hmm. what else to say. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that really brings us to the next characteristic of just being honest in our mm. prayer, meaning that our, our prayer should really be grounded in real situations and, and what people are, are feeling and, and thinking as a group. Yeah, just really being vulnerable with each other. Right. And this is, this is appropriate vulnerability, lest anybody think, like, we're not trying to turn it into a counseling session mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. But this is... I, I mean, favorite example jumped just to mind me uh, from from our office. Beth Carlson, her brother-in-law, Logan Berta. Um, shout out! I don't know if Logan's a regular listener. He should be. But um, <laughs> uh, Logan's a, a great friend, and Logan and I worked together for many, many years. And when 
Logan would pray. He was exceptionally honest in his prayer. And so oftentimes, you know, when, when you ask him to pray, he would just like, he'd take a moment and he'd recollect himself. He's like, all right, what's, what's on my heart and my mind? And then he would pray an uncomfortably honest prayer. You know, so he'd pause like, Logan, would you open us in prayer? Sure. Yeah. Then like, just like pause for like, you know, an eternity, 10 seconds, maybe. And like, and he's like, and then he starts like, okay, Lord, I don't want to be at this meeting. And we just kind of <laughs> laugh, but it's like, but there was an honesty. And then he would, it was like, Lord, but I know you're here. And there'd be an expression of faith. And it was often humorous, not, not so much intentionally, but it was humorous because it was, it was so honest. It was actually, he managed to routinely break social norms because he prayed honest prayer, or he prayed honestly. Um, but it was powerful. It would it would help center and and guide us together. And I mean, yeah, I <laughs> I'm I'm actually one of the most powerful examples uh, in my own experience of, of praying as a team was a time we were you know we had a, a big goal that we had done you know to recruit for a conference and we were we were struggling. We were yeah you know, we we're this was in the middle of a meeting. It wasn't kind of like the it wasn't the beginning of a meeting prayer we're in the middle of the meeting and it's just clear that we're we're struggling and the biggest part about it like not only were we struggling to hit the goal that we set but we weren't even sure it's like was this just a stupid goal to to mm-hmm. begin with and and like should we persevere mm-hmm. and we just kind of we just i was like all right let's just stop for a moment and i just kind of led us in prayer and i i mean in in true humility is like lord i think I probably set a stupid goal for this and I probably mm. pridefully did it and we just and just I just tried to you know try to really honestly repent in in my prayer for uh what I wasn't sure at that point I was like gosh did I just like set a stupid goal here and it was uh, it was mm. so freeing for us um <laughs> because it's what everybody in the room was thinking it's like yeah did we just like set like a stupid goal is it wrong for us to persevere in this or are we just like chickening out cuz it's getting hard and to be honest, I think I think we ended up keeping the goal, but just the a moment of like honest like repentance and Lord, we're confused and we just kind of owned the mm-hmm. yeah we owned the the desolation and, and the confusion and did our best to you know to repent from um, even, even if we weren't prideful in the actual goal that we set, we were certainly prideful in how easy we thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And gosh, it was such a beautiful freeing time. And such a bonding time for, for that group. I mean, that those teammates, when I happen to see them now and then, like that's one of their strongest memories of like, remember that time when you set the stupid goal and but then you prayed? And anyway, it was just a great, great moment where honesty was a vehicle, I think, where the mm-hmm. Lord's grace entered in to actually save us. Yeah, and it is really a liberating experience of recognizing that, you know, we have the freedom of the children of God. We're not slaves or... You know, we're 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 God's children, yeah. and you know He's He's our Father, and his, in His providence, He's He wants to take care of us. He knows already mm-hmm. how we're feeling and what we need. But just to be able to ask Him specifically is, is a real opportunity for grace to be at work. Because yeah, sometimes we're we're hiding from that. Yeah. Well, and you know, as you say that, I th- I think about like that fir- one of those fir- the first question I asked was like, God, why is it that we sometimes turn uh, a family or a church meeting or whatever into this unsafe place where we can't be honest and vulnerable, where we, we turn it into an insurance company. I think it's mm-hmm. it most often happens in the world of work because we let the, the broken aspects of work, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a part of work, go back to Genesis, that's a little bit of a curse. And there's certainly some experiences of 
work culture in the United States that are enslaving. They're not mm. right. You're you're not. You don't feel like a son or a daughter, <laughs> because you're not. You actually are, if not enslaved. There's definitely this kind of mm. contractual binding. But we're actually supposed to transform work right mm -hmm. into, the, well, the way Jesus does it. Right. Uh, it's like you know, I do nothing but what I see my father doing. He mm. he is at work and laboring but he's laboring as a, as a son. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're supposed to let. I mean, we're, we're supposed to let our, our faith transform our work. So yeah. I love, and I've seen these things. There's a couple more. Like what, what other characteristics should we keep in mind if we're going to let this prayer begin to transform our experience of work and teams, labor, ministry? Uh, we've got deliberate, communal, honest. What else? Before I get to the next one, I really want to, I, I just had a story <laughs> come to mind just on the, on the honesty about, you know, just how, how this can play out in a family too. Because we've talked mm -hmm. about, you know, maybe like work expressions, but this happened, you know, right after my wife and I bought our house in Gretna, we recognized that there was some leaking in the roof and mm -hmm. we're just like, oh no, <laughs> what did we get into? Yeah, just to be able to together turn to the Lord and say, Lord, please help us. And and specifically, we asked for the Lord to send a hailstorm on our house so that we could claim insurance and get a new roof. Wow. And that happened. <laughs> we our our house got clipped by a hailstorm like a month later and we were able to submit a claim and get a new roof on our insurance. That's, and it was Did you did you notify the neighbors just like, <laughs> "Hey, I just want to let you know" <laughs> That's you know we, we've been praying, so you might want to park your cars inside. <laughs> it was it was just because we had been so specific in our prayer, we were able to experience in a deeper way the Lord coming through. You know, because it's like when yeah when you pray specifically for something, you recognize yeah. His providence. That's fantastic. I'm not even sure what what to do with that, but I I love it. Oh my gosh, that's so, that's great. Honest, yeah. So just and say that. specific. Yes, you're adding specific. a characteristic here. Specific. <laughs> we want like you know golf ball sized hit. No, gosh, that's awesome, Andy. Yeah. So the next characteristic is just being open, and it, it is related to to honesty. Right. We're we're honest with the Lord, but we're also open to His response. Just like I said before, like there's only one member of our team that's all knowing and and mm -hmm. all good and all powerful, and we should give Him the best of our time <laughs> in our meetings. So just really leaving space for silence, listening, letting the Lord speak. And mm. yeah, they're just, yeah, I guess there are a number of ways that we can hear or recognize, you know, how is the Lord actually speaking to us? How do we Yeah, how can, how can you tell that? Because it's one thing to leave space. You're saying open, just like leave some space for listening, give the Lord an opportunity to speak. But then how can you tell if it's him speaking? Yeah, just our experience has been having a, a real unity, yeah, our desires that are coming out during prayer as we're, because we have time where we're sharing with each other what the Lord is putting on our heart, mm -hmm. we have to notice kind of a rhyme going around the room as people are sharing that kind of deepens our own experience of of the Lord speaking to us. Mm -hmm. And that rhyme just leads to a sense of, uh, of peace and, and clarity and confidence. Yeah, of, of being able to just be sure that, okay, this this is the Lord, you know, this is being confirmed. Um, mm -hmm. I I sometimes think like that that unity manifests itself in 
like a mini miracle where the one member of the family, the one member of the team that you do not expect to be excited about this idea is like, let's go for it. And sometimes there's just a little mini miracle. You're like, wow, okay, that must be the Lord that we're, you know, like we actually all agree on this. And and just like you said, I mean, it's like any other discernment, right? There's peace, there's joy, there's a confidence. It's, yeah, it's like any other discernment. And I would say there's a consistency. Like you Mm want to leave... Sometimes we have to make a decision in one conversation or one meeting, but consistency over a few days or a few weeks can be really helpful mm. if if a group uh, team is is doing a discernment. I guess two stories here. One is just from Acts 13, which is Paul's first missionary journey, mm-hmm. where the disciples in Antioch are gathered and they're fasting and they're praying together mm-hmm. and and they hear the Lord say, set apart. Barnabas and Saul for the mission I've called them to. Yeah. Um, and then they fast and they pray some more um, and lay hands on them and send them off. But it's, and then of course, you know, the missionary journey, uh, there's so much power and God's grace that's unleashed on that, on that journey, but it started there. And yeah. And their perseverance through the obstacles, mm-hmm. I, I can imagine was, was there was this grounding or like, nope, we, we prayed and we fasted and we know the Lord has called us and set us apart to this. So the ability to persevere. I mean, I think half the time we we give up on things not because we're we somehow stepped outside of God's will, but mm. because when we run into obstacles, we're like, well, I'm not I, I never really quite developed the clarity or conviction of what mm. God's will was. And so I begin to second guess that when I run into obstacles. Yeah. No, that's right on. There was a um, a Lenten small group training. This was one that we had last year. But there was a woman who who was praying with the group about who she was going to invite into her small group. And she came with this big list of, of all these people, neighbors and, and friends that she wanted to invite to her small group. But as we were praying together, she just had the sense that she should be inviting her aunts and her nieces and so it was this it was this shift as she asked the Lord what she should do, right? He just kind of shifted her focus. And mm. there ended up being, I think, a couple of deaths in her family that year. And there was this group that, you know, of her family mm. that had been praying and then became the core of support for the rest of her family. And they were united and just being able to, yeah, to love and support each other through that. And it was, so it, that came about as right, as she was bringing this to the Lord, submitting her plans to the Lord and allowing them to be changed. Gosh, that's that's beautiful. I think another, just kind of like a, a, a pro tip on this is when you're trying to be open, when you're trying to leave space for the Lord to speak, to sometimes go the places where, in scripture, where you know he speaks about mm. what you're feeling or wrestling with. And then there's a, you know, hundred different examples, you know, if you're like trying to discover a sense of mission or calling, you know, going to the places where he commissions disciples, Matthew 28, whatever. But I I think about one of my favorites is Psalm 40. So when I'm part of a group that feels stuck, I love to go to Psalm 40, right? He, He drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. Like I love that's that's Psalm forty mm-hmm. verse two, and sometimes just knowing where the Lord speaks, how He 
yeah, just the places where he addresses particular issues. I mean, literally, you can just like Google <laughs> these things. And there's all sorts of like little devotionals that, yeah, that kind of help help us connect to those places in God's word where he talks about what we're experiencing. Mm. That's yeah, that's really powerful. Again, not that, not that you can't play Bible roulette and open a random spot, but it's it's sometimes, it, it's, it's not cheating <laughs> to go to the spot where you know you need the Lord to encourage you. It's not cheating to go to the places where mm. the Lord specifically offers encouragement. Mm. Yeah, I love how you have done that, Jim, with our team. Because it's not just in like our weekly team meetings, but in one-on-one meetings or just mm-hmm. anytime we're getting together to talk about something, you know, it, it just happens so often where you have, we bring a Psalm into the meeting and it just really is able to, you know, we're able to invite the Lord in to, to any little conversation that we're about to have. So I yeah, thank I you. Really sometimes it that. does feel like, I mean, I, I'm saying to myself, like sometimes it does feel like cheating. It's like, cause I'm <laughs> like, I want to say this and it's not, yeah, it's not like slyly trying to like, I'll make Jesus say it, but but yeah, sometimes it's just clear that we know we need a particular gift from the Lord, a recommissioning, an encouragement. I mean, that's like the, you know, be not afraid is kind of kind of the, the Lord's favorite favorite refrain. And so going those places is is a great gift. But Andy, I know there's one more characteristic that you've you've talked and, and written about here. Uh, and this one kind of brings things home. So what's what's kind of the the final characteristic here? Yeah. That really that that needs to be a characteristic, I would say, of team prayer, but team prayer particularly for those where we're we're laboring together for, uh, well, un, under a specific commission. Yeah, and yeah, this last characteristic is to be missional, right? That our that our team prayer is directed toward the mission, the 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 reason that the Lord has called together a particular team, you know, whatever that team might be, if it's a youth ministry team or a parish mm-hmm. leadership team or or a family, you know, even if, you know, every mm-hmm. family has a mission. And so just to to be able to recall that and have that right at the, the center of the meeting, that we're, that the Lord just didn't just call us together for ourselves into kind of a holy huddle, mm-hmm. but that we're called to go out of ourselves. He's called us to be a gift to others in some way. I, I appreciate that because I think sometimes... I mean, if we're honest, sometimes our experience of what it means to live as a disciple reaches a, I don't know, a climax or there's a special context when we're gathered together as a, as a group of people. And sometimes we want to make that, it, it ends up becoming kind of like, I don't know, our, our primary expression of where we, we live as a disciple. And not that that's a bad thing, but there's usually a particular reason the Lord has called this group together. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like kind of going back to the charter, if if you will, yeah. you know, again, if it's a youth ministry or it's a, you know, group of people running RCIA or marriage prep to kind of, to bring that central mission, that, that first commission back to the center in our prayer, that there's a, this isn't just a random collection of individuals There are people who are gathered together for a specific purpose and calling back to that mission that, that really helps to kind of center and direct the prayer. Not that mm-hmm. you know, we can't, you know, veer off and, and pray for very personal needs and you know, individual members, but there's something very, I don't know, I'm a, healing isn't quite the right word, but it's just centering about bringing that central mission back, back to the forefront in our prayer. 
Yeah, and one maybe one example of this. So when I worked at a parish out in Seattle, we had a young young adult Bible study, a men's group out there that had been going for about a year, and we just were growing in you know all the members just growing in this awareness that we really need to reach out to other young adults in the parish. Like we mm. see we see other young adults, and and they they don't get to experience. You know what mm. we have here in this Bible study, and, and being able to hear the Lord, and they don't—they just don't know that there's something deeper. And so our our group shifted from just being this this Bible study group to being a group that was intentionally praying for individuals that we would be able to encounter on Sunday at Mass. Wow! Um, and and so everyone so you found a mission together. We found a mission together. Yeah, and um, yeah, so we would pray together. Like, okay. <laughs> Lord, please empower us when we go. When we go to mass, we're, we're going to. The, we're all intentionally going to different masses. And Lord, please encourage us. Give us the power of your Spirit to see who you're drawing our attention to at this mass, right? And and so we just go to mass, and particular people would jump out, young adults, and you know we'd go catch them after mass and strike up these conversations. Mm. But it led to to others being drawn into the community, right? We were able to make invitations and and strike up conversations that we otherwise wouldn't have and just really putting ourselves at the service of the Lord. So it's it's something that you can even if it hasn't been a part of your group. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that you can grow into as you invite the Lord in in an intentional way. That's awesome. Well, and I mean it's right at the heart it's right at the heart of of Jesus, right, who came to seek and save the lost and are are going back to his I mean there's a I'm not a not a church historian, but I I think I see a connection. You know, big fan of Saint Francis Xavier Cabrini and other missionary saints. I think about Saint Therese, and it seems like there's often amongst the most missionary oriented saints. It seems like there's a particular devotion to the heart of Jesus, mm-hmm. whether it's you know like a, a devotion to the Sacred Heart in particular, or just just like they're they're attentive to the desires of His heart. And the, one of the purest expressions we get of, you know, that is his, his last moments. I think about the missionaries of charity who in Jesus's last moments, he says, I thirst. And in every chapel, mm-hmm. Mother Teresa's sisters all around the world, they have the words, they have a beautiful, large crucifix and they have the words, I thirst. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's Mother Teresa and the missionaries of charity, whether it's St. Francis Cabrini, that there's often this devotion to Jesus's heart. So if you know if you're if you're not, I, I think if you're a group that you're you're maybe not conscious, like well we don't have a mission statement, we don't have a common kind of commission, we don't necessarily even know what that is. Just run to the heart of Jesus. Mm. He thirsts for souls. He came to seek and save the lost. And man, I promise you will find d- direction and clarity there. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, so let's Andy, let's make, let's help this. Let's make this really practical because a number of whether again whether you're a family, a youth ministry, religious ed, a parish leadership team, the the cycle of team life, mm-hmm. I think is often scandalizing, confusing, and I'll just kind of remind people listening. You know, the the general kind of cycle is like okay, teams form. And then they go through this storming period where there's like, oh, there's some tension and you're not nearly as nice in meetings as I thought you were. You know, and there's like there's forming, storming. Then there's a period of kind of norming where, where teams seem to settle into like particular behaviors. And it's like, OK, this is just this is our routine. This is the way we do things. And God willing, get to a, get to a place of, of performing where they're really able 
you know, past some of the difficulties and, and challenges, really able to to do more together. It's kind of the basic definition of a team. We can do more together as a group mm-hmm. than the the you know, the the just simply the additive mm-hmm. value of all the different members. That there there's something you know, as Clydesdales are famous for this, right? That they, that if you know you can one horse can only pull a certain amount, but a, a well trained team of horses pulling together can actually pull more than simply the mathematical mm-hmm. aggregate of the individual horses together. There's something about the group pulling. God willing, all teams get to that point of performing where they're able to do something that they mm-hmm. could not do simply as individual members added together. Prayer is essential if we're going to make it through that that cycle and get to that, yeah. that place of performance. Can we talk a little bit like if a team's at that very first kind of stage where they're just forming, mm-hmm. like what are the characteristics? What are some very particular habits that they need to begin to start well? Yeah, I think really those those first two characteristics we talked about of being deliberate and being communal, right? Mm. Setting out right from the get go as an as an expectation for the team. You know, this mm-hmm. is something that we want to embody. We want to invite the Lord in in a really intentional way, and we want to do that together, right? Mm. And so, um, just having a conversation with the team about how that's going how that's going to look um, with your particular team. Mm. You know, what's, setting, the, setting those expectations. Yeah. So I think that's the really the first conversation to have. You know, I would say concretely, Lexio Divina, I think most of our listeners are familiar with it. It's just fancy Latin words for divine reading, but it's it's a way of slowly reading scripture. I I would say for those who are new to doing Lexio Divina, whether it's a whole group or just individual members of the group, I think it can be really, really helpful to choose a a verse and to just stick with it for a while. Now, it could mm-hmm. be a particular verse, you know, if it's just a Sunday gospel that just seems to kind of speak to the group generally, or if there is a, a verse that is symbolic of the, the common mission or vision that has gathered the group together, staying with that for a full week at least where we're like, okay, maybe we get together, you know, we have meetings on Tuesdays and, you know, so we pray over, you know, this, this little section, the, the story of the prodigal son, we're going to, we're going to pray over this, this meeting. And we all make a commitment that we're going to do personal prayer over it, you know, all the rest of the days that week, or for that whole month, we're just going to pray for this verse. Cause sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's hard for individuals to, to, to begin to get into the prayer or or be able to articulate what they're receiving from the Lord. And sometimes when you stick with a verse for a while, a week, a month, and you let the themes begin to kind of converge and percolate, that convergence and the connection helps all the individual members of the group kind of see where how they come together around this vision or around this mission, and it helps them be able to come together around that vision as, as an expression of what the Lord desires for the group. So mm-hmm. that's a really concrete, just mm-hmm. choose a verse. Again, it could be anything that speaks to you, but ideally if it if it is somehow symbolic of your mission and your vision, and just stay with it for a while. For personal prayer, if people are, are willing to do that, but at least for the time, if you pray as a group, just yeah, stick with it for for a week, couple weeks, and and let that convergence come together 
can be really, really powerful for, for, for gelling a group. Mm-hmm. And then while a team is storming, once they move into that storming phase mm-hmm. and they are, ha- are experiencing kind of a clash of personalities um, or um, just having difficulties relating to each other, mm-hmm. um, focusing which, on Which this- inevitably happens. Yes. It's not just you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's not just your teammate. It's you. <laughs> it's you too. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's so important going through that storming phase to really be honest with each other and mm-hmm. with the Lord about how you're feeling. What is this group experiencing right now? Yeah, but I mean, I would say appropriate honesty. Yes. Not like, <laughs> Dear Lord, please fix Dave. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's wrong with him. He's like, no, I mean, but yeah, an honesty, yeah, that appropriate, uh, appropriate honesty. Yeah, and then that openness, which is really listening to the Lord and, and inviting him to speak and direct and give confirmation of direction. And so, yeah, intercessory prayer is huge in this mm-hmm. um, storming phase of just bringing those intentions before the Lord, praying for the people on the team, uh, praying for your mission. And and that's something that can really unite a team and, and, and carry them mm-hmm. through this storming phase. Right, and super simple, just like you said, you could just kind of like you experienced in that small group in, in college, mm-hmm. People can just kind of share a particular, whether it's personal or kind of a professional need, and just let the individual to their right, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of rotate around the circle. Yeah, just like usually a 60 seconds, kind of share your prayer request, the context, and then, okay, 60 seconds. Now, this in the whole group prays, but the person, you know, to your right prays for you. Uh, while the whole, you know, they're praying out loud while the, while the rest of the group is joining in prayer. That can be so powerful mm-hmm. because if there's even just a little bit of honesty, mm. it it creates empathy. Because yeah. when when people, or it doesn't create it, it fosters or it helps us like, oh, wow, they're a real person with real needs. But again, whether it be a personal need or simply kind of a professional frustration or need. I mean, I can say, and and that openness, gosh, like doing this with my own family when I intercede for the family members that are annoying me, I think about my teenagers. I love you, love you all. But um, when there are particular traits about my teenagers that are annoying me, if I'm praying in an open way where I, I kind of pause and I let the Lord speak and enter into that conversation, he inevitably reminds me of what I was like as a teenager, <laughs> which usually immediately moves me to okay, humility and mm-hmm. I can be just a little bit more merciful. So, yeah, hugely helpful, forming, storming. What about norming? Like, it almost feels like this would maybe be kind of like a dangerous phase where things could get, where you could get stuck in a normal, comfortable routine. Yeah. How do you, how do you pray when you're in the norming phase? Yeah, I think really the, the missional characteristic that we talked about of just being able to recenter on the mission and, and asking the Lord, really, what is he, what is the mission that he's called us to? And that might involve saying no to things that we've mm. gotten comfortable with. Or I, I think that's a good question to ask during this phase is, Lord, what do we need to say no to? Mm. Um, and so that we're free to focus on the particular mission that he's calling us to. Yeah. So how very, very practically when, because I love that, like as we bring questions to the Lord, because we haven't, we haven't talked about that yet. Mm-hmm. There's a number of different devices I think what we have found really helpful, because again, there are some people, if you happen to have a little bit more of a charismatic spirituality, or if you've really had, you know, if you were in monastic or religious life for many years, you know, and transitioned out, or that's been part of your vocation, maybe you're really comfortable bringing questions to the Lord and sitting and waiting for his answer. 
What we found to be really helpful is just a simple kind of adaptation of a, of an oldie but a goodie, uh, <laughs> the rosary, to, mm-hmm. to do a discernment rosary where basically I'll just I'll offer a little summary here and Andy, you kind of pile, pile in here. But basically, as you pray what would be a decade, you know, your, your 10 uh, Hail Marys, you present, rather than meditating on a, a mystery, you're presenting a question. Like, Lord, what do we need to cut out? Things, things seem too full. But gosh, all these things feel good and we've got some, you know, attachment to them. Lord, what do we need to cut out? Mm-hmm. And to bring that question as a group for at least a decade, you know, at least a moment, if not, you know, for a significant period of time for, mm-hmm. for the whole rosary or for an entire, you know, week or, or month. But to bring that question to the Lord and then watch for that convergence, that there's a little bit of conversation there's an invitation to the Lord to speak into that question, and then a little bit more conversation. Andy, what mm-hmm. would, anything you would add to that just discernment rosary concept? Yeah, I think this is something that can go on for for a while. Like you may need to extend, and ex- this is a a season in a team's growth, you know, right. of, of norming, and um, and it may take a while of, of persevering in that in that prayer to gain clarity. So I would say, you know. Don't necessarily expect, you know, you do this once and, um, and suddenly, you know, suddenly you have all the clarity that you, right. that you need. Yeah, ask the question, but, but wait for the answer <laughs> or persevere in prayer <laughs> through the answer. Uh-huh. Crazy. Uh-huh. I, I would actually also add, I would say at the beginning, it's sometimes really helpful, you know, as a team is first forming <laughs> to kind of pray over charter version verses or, or, you know, places in scripture that are symbolic of your mission and vision. Mm-hmm. I would say here, when you're in the norming phase, it's sometimes exceptionally helpful to pray over one of the the scriptures of the day that's used in the lectionary as part of like the cycle of readings, precisely because you don't know what you're going to get. And it gives the Lord an opportunity to just talk about what he wants to talk about. And I've experienced some very powerful times where the Lord has just praying over, you know, the the gospel of the day has helped to recenter a team on a forgotten priority mm. or yeah. has helped to remind us of something that if we had been praying over our old favorites, we, we may not have heard. But mm-hmm. the the randomness, if you, I mean, they're not random, but the the um, the rhythm of the the lectionary, can sometimes just be a really beautiful way to keep us on our toes and to let the Lord decide what he wants to talk about. Mm, yeah. Okay, so what about performing, right? This is what this is what we want every team, family, group, committee, I really don't like that word, but whatever like whatever <laughs> like gathered together. Yeah. Uh we want to get to the place where we're where we're performing. What is that what does that look like in terms of prayer? How does prayer help us get to that place. Yeah, I think right once once your team is performing at, when you're at that stage, really all of these characteristics have become habits, you mm-hmm. know, or being intentional about about all of them. And and that's that can take a while, right, as you're going through these different stages of team development. So it is, you know, they are kind of additive in in that sense. But really once you're, you know, when your team is deliberate, right? You've got um 
you've got a habit of how you pray together and when you've, you've set that aside and there's an expectation and a culture that's being formed on your team about how to be deliberate. And you're, you're doing that in a communal way where you're really bringing the team uh, together. And it's not just... Um, uh, individuals speaking to the Lord by themselves, but speaking into what he, each of you are hearing mm-hmm. from the Lord. And you're doing that in a way that's honest so that you're, you're connected to the real situations that you're experiencing as a team and that are related to your mission. Um, and you're open, you're listening to the Lord, you're inviting him in, you're allowing him to course correct, and you have your mission right at the center of your team's identity. Then, then you're really in this place where you're where you're performing, right? Mm-hmm. Where you're going to be able to be fruitful as just a really spirit-filled team and accomplishing the mission. So I think, yeah, working on each one of those characteristics. I think as as the teams go forward, anyone listening to this, you know, starting with this podcast, you know, bringing, letting your team listen to this podcast um, and having a conversation, right, about these five characteristics. Where did where do these show up yeah, in where, your team? Where are we where are we strongest? You know, one through mm-hmm. five are like, oh man, we're we're nailing the open thing. Mm-hmm. but not not so much the deliberate thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's great. I would just add one other thing. Like I think to be clear, like when a, when a team or a group is at the the performing stage, it's not that there's no obstacles. Mm-hmm. It, it it actually is probably contrary. You're probably going to be encountering more spiritual resistance or obstacles than perhaps ever before. The difference is you're not trying to meet those individually you're not trying to meet those without the help of the lord yeah that you are reflexively running to the lord gathering around each other asking him i mean it looks it looks and feels a little bit like the stories we get in acts of the apostles mm-hmm. you know that like oh my gosh there's a fair amount of resistance <laughs> that paul and barnabas and you know the group of apostles gathered or uh, disciples gathered in jerusalem experience but as soon as they run into obstacles what do they, they're, 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 they're praying and they're singing psalms, they're gathering together, they're shaking the earth. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, there are some demons that can only be expelled by prayer and fasting, the, the Lord says. Mm-hmm. And you see this beautiful glimpse in Acts of the Apostles where they're, this, again, this truly missional community, when they experience obstacles, they gather together and they run to prayer. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's beautiful and gosh, may, may be uh, true of us. Amen. Andy, any, any closing thoughts as we wrap up here? No, I'd say just um, just go forth in the confidence of the Lord that He's that He's with you, that He's for you to live as His children. Like He <laughs> He is our provident Father who just cares for us and knows our needs. So don't be afraid to turn to Him in every circumstance. Amen. So if you've got stories about your teams praying, we would love to hear those. So uh, if you want to subscribe to the blog, there's a place for you to comment to keep this conversation going. It's equip.archomaha.org. You can go to the episode. You can grab the notes. I think we'll put the discernment rosary up there. We mentioned that and cross-reference back to uh, Andy's blog on on the characteristics. And we'd love to hear your stories. Please take this as a, as a challenge and an admonition to really don't leave. I, I love the way you, Andy put this. You know, don't leave like the, the om, omniscient, all-powerful member of the team. Don't Please don't relegate the Lord to a non-voting, non-speaking member uh, of the team. So like yeah, bring, bring Jesus into the conversation and please share some stories with us of how 
these uh, characteristics, how, how this cycle. We hope this has been a blessing uh, and encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear the stories of the Lord at work. So again, if you want to subscribe, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on all the major platforms, EquipCast, all one word. And if you want to uh, keep the conversation going over the blog, go to equip.archomaha.org. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.